0: The show is just about to start. Here we go. Are you ready to do this? Let's get started. I mean, the moderate end of the party has received everything that they have wanted from President Biden, including President Biden as himself. They got all of it. Man, where is Trump? Yeah. Yeah. I cannot wait to see. And I'm already watching it. I'm watching Democrats start the campaign. They're already like, Hillary, you got to go out there and vote like democracy depends on it i'm like when y'all gonna start governing like democracy depends Ooh. on it. no for real do you feel any differently um it's just been one disaster after another i thought this was going to be a president for the people of the people my life has not improved biden has not you know stuck to any of his promises worst january ever shaken by everything from the crisis in ukraine to inflation so tired of bringing you this bad news every single night I wish there was a way I could sugarcoat it. I try to figure out every day to try to make you smile. I'll work on that. Sorry. I feel too. Jack Riccardi, 4 till 7, News Talk 550,
1: KTSA, and FM 1071. Uh, Oh, Don Lemon. Don Lemon, you do make me smile. Don't don't you worry your pretty little head about that at all. You. (laughs) Don't you worry about sugarcoating anything. You're doing just fine. We're uh, we're enjoying everything you you bring us, Don Lemon. Well, hey, good afternoon. Or as I like to call it, part two of my show. 406 on 550 and 1071 KTSA. I am Jack Riccardi. This is our dreadful little afternoon show. You can uh, join the show at 210-599-5555. It was so random over the weekend after Neil Young got in mixed up in that uh, thing with Spotify and Joe Rogan. I did not see this coming. I did not think that the next artist up, the next guy on the list after, I mean, you think Neil Young, Neil Young says I don't want to be on Spotify if Joe Rogan is on Spotify. You don't think the next guy up is is Barry Manilow. I did, who had Barry Manilow in the in the um like in the in the picks, in the in the grid. I didn't have him. I did not have. I did not have Barry Manilow. I did not have the Bengals. I did not have the Rams. Yeah, Barry Manilow now says he did not contact Spotify. He says he has had no dealings, and no one who represents him has had any dealings uh, regarding the rumors about his music being pulled off Spotify. I'm not sure that Barry Manilow has ever even thought about Spotify, but uh, he says no, it's not. Uh, it's not me. Joe Rogan uh, spoke to the uh, controversy on Instagram last night. And I don't know if you've heard what he said, but I want to share a little of it with you because it's interesting. See how you feel about it. He made a video last night following the whole flap with Neil Young and the music of Neil Young coming off of Spotify. And he said um, he's going to try to be more balanced in his show and have a variety of experts and opinions. He says, these podcasts of mine are very strange because they're just conversations. Oftentimes I have no idea what I'm going to talk about until I sit down and talk to people, and that's why some of my ideas are not that prepared or fleshed out because I'm literally having them in real time. But I do my best, and they're just conversations, and I think that's also the appeal of the show. I think it's one of the things that make it interesting. Rogan said he was very sorry that Spotify was in the... Uh, hot seat, and taking so much heat. He admitted that his show has, quote, become some out-of-control juggernaut that I barely have control of and that he doesn't always, quote, get it right, unquote. He pledged to, quote, try harder to get people with different opinions on and do my best to make sure I've researched these topics. Also said he is not mad at Neil Young, says he's a lifelong fan of Neil Young, he did not mention whether or not he is a lifelong fan of Barry Manilow. I think we need to know whether that's true. He concluded, I'm not trying to be controversial. I'm going to do my best in the future to balance things out. If I piss you off, I'm sorry. What do you think about that? How do you feel about that? 210-599-5555. You know, I like Joe Rogan, but I don't think he needed to say any of that any of that. He's not really doing a talk show, but it's kind of like a talk show. I mean, I have all these topics. I have researched them, but I'm not an expert in any of them, and I don't really know exactly where we're going. When we get started, we kind of just go. I pick a place, and we start there, and we go. Like he said, you're you, you um, you're having a conversation in real time. That's what we're doing here. I cannot tell you wh- what we will, all the things we will have talked about in the next three hours. I cannot tell you what I will say about them. I have some ideas, but most of what's going to happen in the next three hours on this show is going to be as big a surprise to me as it's going to be to you. I don't think he needed to say any of that. He already has people on with different opinions. I still don't think, I think he's missing the point. I I, I don't think his problem is what he's presented on his podcast. I think his problem, and it's not his problem, it's the problem of his censors, The problem his censors have is they don't like the fact that he is doing something much more popular than anything they're doing. They can't control it. He is showing people an alternative media universe, and people in the existing media universe want you to think that's the only universe there is. So Joe Rogan's like a UFO that's making people wonder what else is out there, and they don't like it. Spotify now says they're going to put content warnings on podcasts. I think that insults the intelligence of people that watch podcasts or listen to podcasts. I'm sorry, but I'm tired of, I'm tired of content warnings. I'm tired of people creating hubs of information. Your hub of information is as, really, as subjective as anybody else's. There's no, there's no absolute truth handed down from God in heaven to, Your website or this website or that podcast or this. That's ridiculous. But see, they're still trying to have it on their terms. Oh, we'll, we'll control the information. You'll come to us to get the information. It's not going to happen, folks. It's, it's too late. There's no, no more hubs, no more. You've got to come here. We've got all the news that matters. You've got just trust us and everything's fine. Give us 30 minutes. You know Walter Cronkite's not alive anymore, and that whole concept is over. And if you don't know who Walter Cronkite is, it's really over. <laughs> it was never started for you. By the way, where are the where are the content warnings on Doctor Fauci? Doctor Fauci's told mistruths and distortions, and and had to be corrected numerous times. Why isn't there Why isn't there an advisory every time he pops up on some show? Why aren't there Content warnings on the cable networks. Why aren't there content warnings on Rachel Maddow? Why, why, if that's so important? These are all people that have been wrong. Some of them knew they were wrong. How do you feel about that? 210 599 5555. That big Canadian protest convoy of truckers is headed for Ottawa, the capital tens of thousands of vehicles. They say they're going to stay there as long as it takes to end vaccine mandates. And they're starting a similar effort here where truckers will drive from California to Washington, D.C. and pick up trucks along the way. We're done with the mandates. We're done with the government telling us what to do, says one organizer. We don't care what side you're on. We don't care where you're, you're from. If you live in America or in Canada, many of the truckers uh, in this country have joined the Canadian convoy. They say, you're welcome. The response from the Canadian prime minister was to mock and belittle the truckers. He called them a fringe group. He said that the protest is an insult to truth. It's an interesting take to insult working people and call them authoritarians or fascists. That's another word that's been used. Smearing these... uh these uh, men and women that drive the trucks is an interesting approach because um, these are not like other people in our society. You know, if all the uh, college professors went on strike or all the uh, network news anchors went on strike or all the political pundits went on strike, uh, you wouldn't miss a beat. But if all the truckers stopped for a couple of days, we would feel things in this country we didn't even, we couldn't even imagine. And that's the power they have. The good news about people that drive trucks and do all those jobs is that they do them. They show up every day and they do them. And they do them in part because they have to, they don't have the luxury of taking a sabbatical. But they also do them because they know these jobs are important. And really, the power they have is to stop doing them. I'm not calling for that, but that is something they can do. Maybe they'll have to. You know you've lost the thread when you lose the rhino Republicans. When Joe Biden is losing Susan Collins from Maine, (laughs) that's really not good. Over the weekend, Susan Collins came out on one of the television shows and said that President Biden took a clumsy approach, her word, to his race-based nomination for the next Supreme Court justice in the wake of uh, Justice Breyer's retirement. She says, I welcome the appointment of black females to the court, but the way the president has handled this nomination has been clumsy at best. And Lindsey Graham, who doesn't know which party he's in, was on to face the nation, and he said... uh, he would support one of the black judges, uh, J. Michelle Childs, who's from South Carolina, his state. says she's highly qualified. He doesn't think it's affirmative action what Biden is doing. He says, um, I see putting a black woman on the court as making the court more like America. More like America. Remember when Bill Clinton used to say that about his cabinet? We're just going to have a cabinet that looks like America. Now, that is a catchphrase now. That's become like a trite catchphrase. And it's a, it's a lazy person's way of, of making an argument for diversity without actually making any argument at all. What, what does it mean that it looks like America? What What in America looks like America? I mean, we're 330-plus million people. So that's what America looks like. But when you start breaking it down, is there a public school classroom that looks like America? Is there an NFL team that looks like America? If you go in for a brain operation, will the surgical suite be filled with people that look like America? Do you want it to? Is that important to you in that moment? What does that, what does that mean? I want America to look like America. But I'm fine with people selecting themselves and choosing themselves into professions so that if there's a particular profession that's overpopulated by one race or ethnic group or gender, if it's if it turns out that way more men than women want to do a particular job or way more Asian people want to own a particular kind of business, I don't see that as a problem, do you? I don't have a I don't have like a, a, a sleepless night over that. Like what are we gonna do? We need to make this look like America. We need nail salons to look like America. I, I don't I don't get that. We talked about this this morning, and a caller made a great point. The Supreme Court doesn't look like America unless everyone in America goes to an Ivy League university, and everyone in America clerks for a Supreme Court justice. <laughs> I mean, what are you talking about? It's just words. It doesn't mean anything. And it figures Lindsey Graham would say it because Lindsey Graham is word salad. He's the you know he's the he's the salad bar of word salad. He's the all you can eat salad bar. Two ten five nine nine fifty five. 55 coming up in about, uh, 15 minutes or so. We're going to talk with Congressman Chip Roy and, uh, you can jump in at 210-599-5555. Yeah. I, I don't know about you, but I could uh, be very happy if we retired the phrase, make something look like America. Because isn't America itself evolving and changing all the time? Like when Bill Clinton said that, whenever that was, let's say it was 30 years ago. We were whiter and more WASP than we are now. So you you would have to say, I guess, that America is a work in progress. Which, which America are you going to, you know, what, what's your target? Like America right now or America in the future or America five years ago? And, and it's just a dumb phrase because the Supreme Court of all things isn't going to look like America. It's the Supreme Court, so it's the highest court. So it's going to be an elite, self-selected, very hard to get into entity. If we wanted it to look like America, that would mean we'd want all kinds of different lawyers on the Supreme Court. We'd want, we'd want Jim Adler on the Supreme Court, or we'd want, you know, the Fours guy on the Supreme Court. Why aren't there any of those guys on the Supreme Court? You know, I mean, shouldn't that, that's what America looks like. It's so stupid so crazy and you know uh, how 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 entertaining would the super bowl be if the teams looked like america they wouldn't be able to make it through one quarter have you seen america we gained some weight during the pandemic not going to be running up and down the field america can't play football for 60 minutes not trying to be mean it's just a fact do you want, I don't know, do you want, do you want the military to look like America? Oh, yes, I do. Oh, so you want the military to be full of people that are out of shape and <laughs> what the hell are you talking about? Well, no, Jack, I don't mean that. Well, then you can't say it. Then you can't say it. I saw an encouraging poll. I don't know if this is true and I don't put any stock in these things, but it, maybe it's a hopeful sign. ABC and Ipsos did a poll. Found that three fourths of people don't like the pledge to only consider a black woman for the court vacancy, and even 54% of Democrats didn't like that President Biden did that. Even half, more than half of the people in his own party didn't like; they weren't cool with that pre-selection approach. Maybe people are going to, you know, are getting fed up with this. Maybe the "Look Like America" thing sounds as ridiculous to them as it does to me. But I will say, before they give it up, the politicians will double down. They'll try one more time. They're not ready to. Retreat on this, because this kind of um, setting aside and and uh, pre-designating cabinet positions or what have you, or or admissions to universities, this is not about the people appointed or named. This is about elevating the person doing the naming. Joe Biden, as a candidate, had a problem with race. This promise he made is how he solved it. It's how he won the South Carolina primary. And so the people that are wedded to the idea of designating and selecting and saying we're only going to consider a Native American woman or an African American man or this or that, that's about virtue signaling for them. They don't really care what happens or if the person's any good. They they seemingly don't care that it sometimes casts an aspersion or a shadow on that person because it, it calls into question whether they really were the most qualified person. So it's pretty clear this is just about the person doing the preening. And they're not done preening. Congressman Chip Roy joining us now on the ktsa Connecticut Quality Water Softeners Newsmaker Line. Congressman, good afternoon to you and thank you for coming back with us.
0: Jack, my pleasure. I wish I was calling you from uh, the great state of Texas, but last I'm in Washington D.C. Actually, I'm in Northern Virginia, uh, just outside of Washington D.C. Trying to represent y'all.
1: Well, better. I was going to say, better you're there than than we're there. So, um, <laughs> you are. Uh, you're saying that Mexican cartels have taken control of the border. Uh, that they're running the show down there. Uh, that we, are, we have lost contr- operational control of our own border. And I think it's funny to hear that at the moment that the Biden administration is preaching about the sanctity of Ukraine's border with Russia.
0: Well, that's exactly right. Now, look, let me start by saying that our friends in Eastern Europe are, are some of the few people in the world who actually understand freedom. I wish more Americans understood freedom, like the Eastern Europeans trying to hold on to freedom having gotten it away from the Soviet Union and now watching Russia on the march because an incompetent, immoral, idiotic president of the United States is completely failing to hold and check Russia while he completely shuts off American energy supply, refuses to hold Nord Stream 2 and sanction Russia and try to stop that in order to protect and help our friends in Ukraine. Meanwhile, though, the president, having failed all of that, is perfectly fine sending 8,500 American uh, men and women uh, in our military to go support the United Nations because of a sovereign border in Ukraine, but refuses to do anything on our southern border, while the cartels have full operational control and are running a hundred thousand are running so much fentanyl into our country that we have a hundred thousand dead Americans. I mean, it's, un- it's unbelievable. In Texas, we have people dying because they take Xanax and slays the fentanyl. We have people dying at the hands of cartels and we're doing nothing about it and in fact they're actually purposely taking steps to weaken our border releasing people adult males into the united states and taking steps to ignore the microprotection protocols despite a federal court order this is purposeful and mayorkas should be impeached for it if not president biden but we should start with mayorkas
1: did you have a chance to hear that hidden or i don't know hidden isn't the right word i guess that surreptitiously recorded conversation that Secretary Mayorkas had when he was meeting with some Z- CBP people. Did you hear that? That came out last week, and he was saying He's to them...
0: Yeah, no, I've seen that. You're talking about the tape down the border where, they're, where, where, right. they, where they say, you know, well, not, you know, uh, if, if good men do nothing, right? And, and, the, and the Border Patrol agents are saying, look, you guys are doing nothing, right? right. We're not doing anything to secure the border. And let me tell you, that video reflects everything I know and understand from the numerous, dozens, hundreds of conversations I've had with Border Patrol agents who are sick and tired of being taken for granted, put in danger, not given the tools they need. But more importantly, it's not about money. You go ask the Border Patrol. It's not about money. It's about having the ability to go enforce the law. And Mayorkas refuses to enforce the law. And President Biden refuses to enforce the law. Biden sends frickin' Harris down to... Central America to have another conversation about investigating the root causes. That's complete garbage. We all know that. They're purposely allowing our border to be exploited by the cartels because they want to play the race card. They want to say that conservatives in Texas and around the country are racist and they don't want brown people to come to the United States. Jack, let me just tell you, I would be the first one to sign up to give a path for uh, uh, people who came here illegally if I could export the entire Ivy League white population who is screwing up America on a daily basis. This isn't about color. This is about sovereignty, the rule of law. And go talk to the brown people, quote-unquote. I hate that, but that's what that's what Democrats say. Go talk to them in Webb County in Laredo and how irritated they mm-hmm. are at the Biden administration mm-hmm. for endangering them. That's the truth.
1: I know you, uh, I read in the Washington Examiner, you, you were one of the signatories of a letter... That wanted a follow up, wanted to find out whatever happened to the investigation last year into the Border Patrol people that were smeared with the horse whipping uh, story. I mean, the president himself said, We're going to get these people. Whatever happened to that? Where did that all go?
0: Yeah, well, we don't know. Uh, We're now months into it. They still take a couple of weeks. We're now, you know, four months into it. And remember, okay, this is important for all the listeners out there. Joe Biden and Jen Psaki, the press secretary for the president, threw every one of those Border Patrol agents under the bus, accusing them of whipping migrants, again, trying to play the race card, just like the voting uh, bill that they're trying to push because they know full well they have nothing to sell to the American people because inflation doesn't sell and wide open borders doesn't sell and fentanyl deaths doesn't sell and vax mandate mandates with people dying doesn't sell. And Russia on the march doesn't sell, and $85 billion of equipment in Afghanistan doesn't sell. So they're trying to play the race card. So they try to foment a whole bunch of rage over a whipping incident that did not occur. They know it didn't occur. They refuse to apologize for it. And now they're burying the very reports and studies coming from having, quote, studied this horrific event because they know it doesn't show anything. You also saw Jen Psaki today denying even the existence of the video you just referenced, Jack, about... Border Patrol agents questioning their leadership, mm-hmm. saying, what are you mm-hmm. doing to actually secure the border? Because Jen Psaki knows it's all a fraud.
1: Yeah. Well, um, I'm sure we'll get a late-night, Friday-night document dump when they finally do report on the uh, the horsewhip story, and probably, probably the Friday before a holiday weekend, I would imagine.
0: No doubt, no doubt. And, you know, right now, I mean, the thing that I'm focused on heading into this week is making sure that we... Uh, Republicans take a strong position against funding a government that will continue these unconstitutional, unlawful vax mandates that are forcing our medical professionals to leave the profession, forcing our men and women in uniform to leave serving their country. And I want to know why any Republican would vote to fund a government, to fund the enforcement of these mandates against the people of the United States. And that's the question I'm asking and circulating a letter right now, getting Republicans to pledge whether they will fund a government To enforce these unconstitutional mandates on the
1: people. Republican Congressman Chip Roy on our KTSA, Connecticut Quality Water Softeners Newsmaker line. Congressman, thank you. We appreciate it tonight. God bless, Jack. Take care. Sometimes on The View, those ladies get on a roll and they just all run over the cliff like lemmings. But uh, when they were talking about the Holocaust, it was clear that, that the co hosts were not sure whether to run away from or run toward. Whoopi Goldberg, they were debating a uh, controversy in Tennessee where a school district took a a book off the uh, reading list about the Holocaust, and um, Whoopi offered the point of view that the Holocaust is not about and was not about race. Because, you know, there's been this uh, bill in Florida that uh, would govern the conversation in schools about race. And I guess that was on their mind. So Whoopi Goldberg said, well, the Holocaust wasn't about race. And they panicked. Cut number 10.
0: If you're going to do this, then let's be truthful about it, because the Holocaust isn't about race. No. 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 It's not about race. It is no. It's about a different race. But it's it's not about race. It's not about race. What is it about? Because it's about man's inhumanity to man. That's what it's about, but it's about white supremacy. It's well, about. It's, it's not about. <laughs> and, and and it's and, it's and, and, But it's, these are two oh. white groups of people. Well, How was, do we have to black we people? see them him as white men. But, they but you're missing like the point. You're yeah. missing yeah. the point. Oh you you Lord! Turn it into race, it goes down
1: this alley. She is getting ripped today across the political spectrum. I, I, I like Whoopi Goldberg. I'm not trying to pick on her, but for God's sakes, it was not about man's inhumanity to man. It wasn't about being inconsiderate or stepping on people's toes or not holding the door for them. What the hell? I know you got to make everything about race except the things that are about race, but yes, the Jews were defined as a de- as a defective race. They were systematically targeted for elimination. You almost can't even overstate The Holocaust, because it's so incredibly and efficiently brutal. Man's inhumanity to man. It wasn't like random people were going to the camps. That would be man's inhumanity to man. It wasn't like, you know, if you just said the right thing or did the right thing, you could stay out of the camps. Oh, my goodness. The Holocaust isn't about race. (laughs) No. No. See, this is why we shouldn't keep going to that example if we don't understand it or we don't want to understand it. You're going to use that as an example, and I'm not saying you can't. We talked about this with Dan Galertner a couple of weeks ago on the show. There's there's no reason to put velvet ropes around the Holocaust and say that no one's allowed to bring it up or you're not allowed to make comparisons. You, you, you absolutely are, which was his point, and I think well made. But at least have some idea, you know, Oh, no, that's not what it was about. I noticed that Bill Maher has a lot of fans these days. Have you noticed that? A lot of people, you wouldn't expect to like Bill Maher, like Bill Maher. They like him because he's saying stuff that they agree with. He even noticed it. He said the other night that he's become a hero on Fox News, not because he's a conservative, but because Democrats have their heads up their ass. His words, and so I I like what he's saying, but I want to make an observation. I I like that he's saying I didn't change; the left changed. They've gotten carried away with their own importance. Uh, they need to be called out. Uh, they're being you know they're being ridiculous. That that's all fine, and I I'm glad he's saying it. And he probably believes it. He says the party of FDR and JFK is turning into the party of LOL and WTF. It's a pretty good line. But I would just remind you, Bill Maher voted for all these people. He's always supported this crowd. He may be unhappy with them now, but you know what I think he's unhappy about? They're making him look ridiculous. They're making his vote look ridiculous. He's not renouncing those beliefs. He's not saying, hey, I was wrong. He's saying, don't be so crazy or don't show how crazy you are. That's, that's a very different thing than I've had a, a, a come-to-Jesus moment or I've had a red pill moment, and now I realize I was wrong and I have a different take on things. He's not saying that. And it's fine. He doesn't have to say anything. But my point is don't put him on a pedestal. He supports these people. He just wants them to be less overtly crazy. He's fine with the agenda. Just don't be so crazy about it, or we're never going to get it done. We're never going to get it passed. He wants these things done. He's afraid that they're being too crazy to get them done. He is truly worried about that red wave thing. But it's not that he regrets the votes he's cast. And look, when the Republicans were a milk toast party nominating people like McCain and Romney he couldn't come across the bridge for that he couldn't reach across the aisle for that if he just wants reasonable people they were extremely reasonable people McCain and Romney were centrists they were pragmatists they were deal makers they wanted to make deals they wanted to compromise they wanted to give the left half of what they wanted or maybe even more than half and he mocked and belittled them and, and smeared about them and lied about them right So I don't trust people who say oh, the left is crazy, I'm not with them. They're saying that because yes, the left has gone crazy. And they're worried that it will hurt the cause. That's what they're worried about. There might not be as many Democrats in Congress next year. That's what they're worried about. Not the country's going in the wrong direction or these are bad ideas. I mean, maybe he'll he'll say those things and I'll I'll have to correct myself, but but as far as I can tell, the Bill Mars of the world just don't want you to see it's like, you know, you've got like crazy people in your family and you don't talk about them. He would rather the Democrats didn't talk about crazy Aunt AOC and, you know, loony Uncle Bernie and you know, just don't put those people out front. But he's not actually saying uh I I got it wrong or I've reconsidered on the issues. He supported these radical Democrats every step of the way. He's not telling them woke is bad. He's saying don't scare people with it. Right? That's a very different... So like him all you want and enjoy his sound bites and what we're playing them and we've played them and we will, but he's basically saying let's get our Let's get our bills passed. Let's get Green New Deal. Let's get our agenda before we show them how whacked out we are. Then it'll, then it won't matter. Then if they find out we're, we're, uh, Looney Tunes, it won't matter, right? 210 599 Tell me what you think about that. How you feel about that? I, I cause I, I notice people are starting to build him up a little. Oh, this guy, you know, he's, he's one of us. He's, he thinks like we do. No, not so fast. Not so fast. Speaking of Bill Maher and and some of the you know good observations he's made lately. Again, I just I want you to think about where he's coming from and why he's saying the things he's saying, but there's no doubt that he's he's witty and he's incisive and he's he's pegged the left pretty well. Um We're now into the third year of COVID. I think they said the anniversary of the WHO naming it was like yesterday or or today or something. So we're into the third year of this thing. And for a long time, you and I have worried that the residue of the COVID pandemic would be less freedom. I mean, it sure looks that way, right? It's a struggle to get things back. You may not be surprised by that, but it's still striking, right? It's a struggle to get back the things you took for granted that were your choice were up to you. But something else is happening here, which is interesting. And it, it, it comes to mind when I see the trucker protest. It comes to mind when I see, uh, this, you know, the burgeoning popularity of, of the Joe Rogans. And there's many of them, not just him. And then the panic about that popularity. Maybe what's happening coming out of the pandemic is that we are having a a red pill moment or an awakening moment uh, or what maybe you could call even a libertarian moment. People have had a taste of something that previously they'd only been warned about. You know, for years, there were people saying, you better watch out or they'll do this or they'll take that or you'll be put in a, you know, under these or that controls. And it sounded a little tinfoil haddish. And you, you heard it. You pondered it. And maybe you concluded, I don't think that would happen. I don't think they would do that. I don't think they could get away with that or there'd be some court decision that would block it or something would happen. And now look at the last two years. Look at what's going on right now. So now people aren't just getting a a verbal warning. Now people have had a taste. And look where, when people have recently been able to express themselves, either at the ballot box or elsewhere, look at what you're seeing. You're seeing Let's Go Brandon. You're seeing the Virginia governor's race. You're seeing the, uh, formerly swing state of Florida become a bastion of conservatism and a solid red state. And Ron DeSantis, not only on his way to reelection, but seemingly the front runner for president in 2024. You're seeing people like Bill Maher panic. You're seeing other Democrats maybe not go as far as Mar, but trying to put some distance between themselves and AOC or them, some distance between themselves and, and the Biden White House. And the, the, the sort of default argument that we would always get if we got a little too libertarian, if we got a little too liberty-minded, man, I heard this a million times, you probably have too, well, where do you think you would be without the government? We're, oh, it, you you want to you want to have all your rights and freedoms? You want to be able to choose anything you want. Well, you'd be you'd be lost. You can't do it. And I remember in 2012, and I don't think he even really understood the phenomenon. But when Mitt Romney was running for president against Barack Obama, somebody had come out. I I know President Obama said it, but before he said it, one of the other Democrats had come out and said in essence to people that are entrepreneurs and small business owners you just think you built that business you just think you 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 built that product or that service or built that fortune you really didn't you couldn't do it because government built roads and infrastructure and you couldn't do it without us you didn't build that was the refrain and barack obama said it you didn't build that and it became a uh, an angry Slogan at the GOP national convention in Tampa in 2012. They were selling t-shirts for Romney that said, you didn't build that sarcastically, meaning damn right we built it. So that was always the comeback when you got a little too big for your britches. They would tell you, 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 you just wait. You need the government. You need its expertise. Well, now COVID comes along. And what did we learn about government expertise? It stinks. It's not that great. In the past, you might not have known, but you might have assumed, well, if we ever had a pandemic, we've got the FDA and the CDC and all these scientists, and we have, we spend gazillions of of dollars. I'm sure we have a plan and we must have stuff stockpiled, and I'm sure it'll be fine, right? I mean, I'm sure we know what to do. We've, we've been preparing for years over multiple administrations. You just assumed they must have some plan. They had nothing. Big government was going to step up, and it was going to be like World War II when they changed all the factories from cars to bombers. Oh, it's going to be great, and it didn't happen. And the experts were not expert. They were only expert at getting their faces on television, but not at accurately forecasting the arc of events or even what we should do in our own lives to be safe and be healthy. They gave orders and edicts that have that have done real harm to people, not helped us beat the virus. The virus is running its course, but so are a lot of other things that shouldn't have happened to children and people's weight and people's health and schools and businesses. I saw a study today somewhere in my pile of things here, but there was a, a, a study, that, or not a study, rather, but a story about uh, and this is so specific, but you can see how it would happen. It was a story about speech therapists, and it says speech therapists have seen an explosion of, of referrals, an exponential increase of speech impediment referrals for children, and you know why? Because when little, little, little kids are masked up, and everyone around them is masked up, they're not learning how to talk because they need to see and hear and read lips and understand. And they're not. And I believe that could be true. So we don't have Roosevelt or Eisenhower. We have Biden and Harris and Fauci. If these had been the people in charge in World War II, (laughs) you you don't even want to go there, right? I won't even go there. So that's why I think this could be that kind of a moment. Because you're not, they're not going to be able to get away with the whole, you need us. Don't, don't get too high on your horse. You've got to have government. That might have worked 10 years ago. It it did work 10 years ago. Do you think it would work now? Does it feel like the usual lines are just not going to sell? And I realize they'll still sell with some... Whenever I talk this way, somebody always you know, throws a wet blanket. Well, Jack, you're just being way too optimistic. You don't realize how stupid people are. I know there are people that are still under the sway of this. What I'm saying is I think there are more people coming out from under the sway of it. No, not everybody has seen the light. Not everybody gets it. Not everybody reacts to things or feels the same way about things, of course. But I think this is a moment where more people... Are less likely to believe, well, government gives us stability and there's a reliability to depending on them and we ought to let them organize things and organize resources. You know, it's better if they manage healthcare because then they'll make sure that everybody gets some. Does that seem like a good idea to you now? If it ever did before, does it seem like a good idea now? Seems like a terrible idea. 210 599. 55 55 I, whenever we talk about sports on the show, I, and I have to admit, this is really immature of me, but whenever we talk about sports, which even if we just touch on it, I get these angry, really angry emails. I don't think it's a lot of people, but it's a handful of people. Yeah, what are you doing? What, are you, what is this, a sports station? So I almost kind of get a, is it all right if I just, I kind of like touching those people off. I really do. I kind of get a thing for that. So. so did you watch either of the games yesterday? No, I'm not watching the NFL. No, I've never... Okay, okay all right. Okay. I, I watched the Bengals Chiefs game because it was a great game because it makes me happy to watch those games. And I don't think when I watch those games I'm being a traitor to race relations or freedom or whatever. But I mean, if you if you want to boycott them, that's fine too. That's okay. I respect that. Um... But it was a great game. Couldn't get over, and I don't know if this is just getting older. As I get older, everybody looks younger to me. But man, Joe Burrow and the kicker for uh, for Cincinnati, Evan McPherson, guy kicked how many field goals did he kick yesterday? He he, he won the game for them. His leg, more than anything, won the game. That they both look so young. Do you, are you feeling more and more like people? Everybody looks younger and younger to you or do people doing the news look younger and the but boy those two guys they those two guys look like their moms dropped them off at the stadium you know like like they've got to go home they got to be home by a certain time after the game fantastic game i i noticed today on espn there was a lot of emphasis on what went wrong with the chiefs and how what's this going to mean to mahomes and is he a, mahomes is a great quarterback the chiefs are a great team The Bengals were better yesterday. That's when that happens, you win. You know, I mean, that's, that's what happened. Chiefs did everything they're supposed to do in the first half of the game. They had it all put away. It was all put away. It was, it was locked up. They, they, right before halftime, they did a run play that they probably shouldn't have done and they got stopped and time ran out. They probably would have. If they had thrown instead of run, they probably would have scored a touchdown. Maybe that would have been the margin of difference because that would have possibly meant that the game did not go to overtime at the end. But, but you never know. You don't know what would have happened. So, um, That second half was all Cincinnati. A lot of people are asking today um, about the fact that, so it's going to be the Bengals and the Rams two weeks from yesterday in the Super Bowl. And the Super Bowl is being played at the Rams' home stadium. And until last year, when the Tampa Bay Buccaneers got into the Super Bowl, and the Super Bowl was booked into their stadium, that had never happened in the Super Bowl. And the reason is that for for most of the history of the Super Bowl, they would book stadiums that were neutral sites, meaning they weren't NFL stadiums, They were college stadiums, and uh, you didn't have the risk of it being somebody's home field. And I have to say, I think when they awarded it to Tampa Bay several years ago, they probably figured, well, Tampa's horrible, they're not going to be in the Super Bowl, and then they got Tom Brady, and then they were in the Super Bowl. And now it's happened for a second year in a row, the Rams are playing on their home field. They probably should just go back to, why not just go back to putting it at college you know, at college stadiums. There's a lot of big, beautiful, state-of-the-art college facilities and the SEC and, the, you know, the Big Ten. Just do that. Be kind of fun. Be kind of different, you know, and uh, don't worry about – because otherwise this is going to keep happening, I think. And by the way, you know what else is weird? So the Rams will be in their home stadium, but technically the Bengals will be the home team because the AFC and the NFC trade off every year on – home team honors or home team designation. And last year was the NFC's turn to be the home team, and they were in their home stadium. So the Bengals will be the home team officially at the Rams SoFi Stadium. And, yeah, I'm going to watch that game too, which probably makes people even more angry. Look, you know what? I don't sit around on Sunday going, I wonder if it would be all right with the listeners if I watch the football game. You know, Sorry. Not not worried about that. From 31 yards,
0: McPherson and Cincinnati is heading to the Super Bowl. He called it again, I'm sure. He walked up and he goes, can you believe, coach? We're going to the Super Bowl. And they did it. They beat Mahomes
1: at home. Wow, Joe Burrow. No way. Got to love Tony Romo. He always sounds like he's just... He's just at the game, you know? (laughs) Wow! All right, very exciting. 523, Jack on 550 and 1071 KTSA. So the um, actor best known for playing Johnny Fever on WKRP in Cincinnati has died. Howard Hessman was 81, passed away over the weekend in Los Angeles. He had had surgery and uh, some illnesses, and his family uh, announcing his passing. When I was uh, a kid and that show was on, I, uh, I was starting to get interested in radio. We listened to radio a lot at my house. I was interested and thought maybe this is a career for me. But when WKRP in Cincinnati came on the air, I want to say it was like maybe 78 or 79, I probably had the same reaction a lot of people did. That can't be how life really is inside a radio station, right? I mean the way the way things are going on there with Les Nessman and the clueless station manager and the you know Lonnie Anderson as the receptionist and all I mean that can't be. But you know it pretty much is. I won't say that everything that happened on that show happened at every station I worked at, but everything that happened on that show happened and happens in radio. And it turns out that Howard Hessman had something to do with that, because when he was cast in this role, and believe it or not, he was not the first choice to play Johnny Fever. He had been a disc jockey himself in his early days, his youth. And um, it isn't even why he got the job, but he said later in interviews that he brought some of the experience, some of the vibe he could remember from radio stations to the Johnny Fever role. And um, he <laughs> he was fantastic uh, in, that, uh, in that part, in that uh, role. I want to play, uh, this, is a, this is a moment when his radio station, WKRP, is changing the format. Here's Johnny Fever.
0: Hey, listen, I've been thinking, I want to go ahead and change the format today. Today? Sure. Just like that? Why not? Listen, Andy, uh, it's been quite a while since I worked in a rock station. So? So, I think maybe you should look for somebody else. About 15 years younger. Oh, you're my man. Yeah, I don't know, I... Just do it. Listen, you you do mean now. Yes. (laughs) And, you can say booger if you want to. (laughs) All right, Cincinnati, it is time for this town to get down. Dr. Johnny Fever, and I am burning up in here. We are all in critical condition, babies. But you can tell me where it hurts, because I got the healing prescription here from the big KRP musical medicine cabinet. Now, I am talking about your 50,000-watt intensive care unit, babies. So just sit right down, relax, open your ears real wide, and say, give it to me straight, doctor, I can take it. I almost forgot, fellow babies. Booger.
1: (laughs) (laughs) So, um, yeah, I mean... I don't know if, if there's ever been a television show about what you do for a living or the business you were in. And if there was, did they get it right or was it embarrassingly, you know, off the mark? Like I have friends that are nurses and doctors and they always say, oh, these, these medical shows are ridiculous. It's not how it is at all. We, if we were having all these affairs and, torrid sex scenes between doctors and nurses and doctors and doctors and nurses and nurses, and the patients will be dead. There'll be no one taking care of them. So they say that television doesn't get their profession right. I don't know. I have to say, I WKRP was pretty spot on. Um, A friend of mine told me a story. I, I, I had not heard this before. He, he interviewed Howard Hessman. This was maybe, I don't know, 10 years ago. So Howard Hessman went on to do a lot of other things. He was on other shows um, and whatnot. And he came into the radio station in New York where this guy worked. And they weren't ready to have him on yet, so they told him he'd have to wait. And radio stations don't have a green room like television does. So Howard Hessman sat down at somebody's desk at the radio station and went through the papers on the desk. Just read everything on the desk. And then when he got him on the air, Howard Hessman was talking about the memos that he had read, which were not for public consumption at all. But he had read the internal station memos and he was bringing it up and mentioning things on uh, in the interview, which I think is hilarious. I wish there was a tape of that. But anyway, the great Howard Hessman, 81. WKRP in Cincinnati, Dr. Johnny Fever. Yep, that's the way it is. We've got all those characters. All of them. Maybe not all of them at one station. We've got all of them in radio. Did Joe Rogan need to say the things he said yesterday on Instagram about his podcast? Did he need to say, I I will try harder and I will bring more balance and I will... Um, research my topics more. He went on about a eight to ten minute commentary where he said, um, a lot of very honest things. And I give him credit for that. He said that he doesn't always know where the show is going when it starts. And I can relate to that. He said, uh, we're having a conversation in real time and we don't always know where it's going. Uh, that sometimes it gets out of control. I, we don't always get it right. He pledged to try harder to get people with different opinions on and to do more research on his topics. Now, those might be good goals, but Joe Rogan is promising to make his podcast better for people that don't listen to it. Joe Rogan's detractors don't listen. I like Joe Rogan, and I don't even listen to most of what he does because I don't have time. But I like him. If I'm seeking him out and I'm still not hearing most of the show, you can be damn sure that the cable news people and the politicians, they're not listening to him. Just like they don't listen to talk radio, they just have opinions about it. They know that what we're doing is bad, but they they haven't heard it. And I'm not saying they have to, but I, I can't respect when you have an opinion that you just had handed to you by somebody else, or an opinion that you're expressing because you want to fit in. You know, we have this we have this new kind of I, I'd say sort of outrage du jour in this country now. We now have a kind of outrage where people are offended by association, right? So if people you're associated with, people that are on your newsfeed are mad about something, you're mad about it too. But you didn't hear it or you didn't see it, but you know that the right people are mad and you want to be in concert with the right people. So Joe Rogan's dangerous. Say people that have never heard him. Talk radio is scaring people away from getting the vaccine. Say people that have never heard it. Fox News is just full of pro-Trump liars. People never watch Fox News. Now, the problem with that is not that you have detractors. I mean, you know the old saying, if you're taking a lot of flack, it means you're over the target. But the problem is if you try to react, if you try to make those people happy, if you take their criticism to heart, even though they've never heard you, they haven't done you the dignity or respect of even tuning you in, if you're trying to make them happy, you realize you can't you can't win that game. You can't. If there's a new and improved Joe Rogan, how will these people know? They'll never hear it. They haven't heard it to begin with. The fact is, and I don't want to speak for everybody that listens to him or listens to talk radio, people like real conversations. They like seeing where it goes. They like knowing that there isn't a script. When we have these conversations, I have a starting point. I've done some prep, but I can assure you I don't know where we're going. When we get done at 7 o'clock, we'll have gone places and been to things and covered things and had arguments or discussions or agreements that I could not have anticipated at 4 o'clock. And I'm sure he feels the same way. We're actually doing what they don't do. You know, his detractors are mostly in places that are groupthink oriented they're on a channel they're on a website they're on a cable uh you know operation that's all one-sided you don't hear them promising to have more diversity of viewpoints you don't hear them promising to research their topics better or not get things wrong they don't care so why is he promising people that don't even listen that he'll do better when they won't even hear him doing better And I said last week, and I I think he knows this, I hope he does, I hope someone around him can tell him this, they're not worried about his content, they're worried about his audience, (laughs) worried about how many people are finding things out for themselves. You know, that's what this whole deal with fact-checking, and we're going to have more fact-checking, and we're going to put content warnings on posts on social media, all of that is Because you're going out and finding alternative sources and ways of double-checking the stuff that they just want to pour down your throat. They want you to just lean your head back, open up wide, and they'll just dump down everything you need that they've decided you need. And that model has worked since the invention of radio and television. That's pretty much been the model. A very small number of people controlling all of these uh, means of, delivery, all of these throats, all of these orifices. Now, all of a sudden, there's a lot more stuff out there that they can't get their arms around. So instead of trying to understand it, maybe even compete with it, they're just trying to kill it. And it won't work. It won't work. Every time in the history of communications there's been a new technology the old technologies panicked. And sometimes they tried to kill it. And they never did. It never happened. It never worked. The only thing that ever killed a new format or means of technology was if it just didn't find an audience. If it just wasn't any good. Beta, you know, VCRs or, you know, whatever. It, it, there are things that just weren't very good. And people decided they didn't like them. They didn't, they didn't add value to their lives. And to their chagrin, Joe Rogan, has, of all people, I mean, how random is that, right? A comedian, a wrestling guy, he he has added value to people's lives. People are are seeking him out. It's making them crazy. So I like him, and I'm not picking on him, but I don't think he should worry about pleasing these critics because they haven't heard him before. And they're not going to hear him now. We talked a little bit last week. You know, I started out in radio. I was in music radio. And, And in music radio, you are a little, little bit of the total programming. So most of the programming is the music, the songs, the artists. And you pop up in between those songs. And depending upon the radio station, maybe not very much or maybe a little bit. And so when I first got into radio, being in that kind of radio and also being very young and just starting out, I knew that the only person I had to please was the program director, the guy that hired me. I had to make what I did in those little blurbs and moments. I had to make him, I had to make him happy. I had to make sure he was happy. I only had one listener. Some of those guys were tough. But when I look back now, they were tough because they were trying to you know help me learn and 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 get better and i and they did help me and don't blame them for how terrible i am at this now because i was even worse before but in the beginning you have one listener the guy that hired you and then when you get into talk radio you still have a program director but now it's all you and you learn pretty quickly that you can't just worry about what he thinks or she you have to also serve the listener. And that is complicated. It's people ask me, uh, where do you come up with the topics or how do you come up with all the material? That, that's really not hard. I mean, there's a lot to talk about. The hard part is, is thinking about and, and trying to understand, you know, wh- where you are. What would be of interest to you? What would be of val- How can I add value in the time that we spend together? I want you to, to feel like that this was time well spent for you. That's the challenge. I'm not complaining, but that's what you do. So you go from trying to please one person who is the one that signs your paycheck to trying to please a lot of people who are very different and diverse, but finding sort of that, that mean or median that will add value for them and entertain them and so forth. What you can't do, and you also learn this as you get into talk radio, you can't do your show and design your show and design your presentation and your delivery around the people that hate you. They'll write to you and email you and troll you and I've got all that and so does Trey and we all do and and you can't keep they're they're a moving target you will never hit. You can't say, "Well, I'll try to do that less or I'll work on that" because cuz they don't care. They don't like you. They're to, they're not there to help. And they're probably not Going to reward your changes or whatever with their loyalty. Do the show for the people that are listening. You'll be fine. Do the show for people that aren't listening. You won't be fine. Joe Rogan has got to be careful not to try to do this for the people that aren't listening. They're making a lot of noise. They're talking a lot about him. And by the way, they're, they're giving him marketing and promotion. No amount of money could buy. You could not design. A marketing campaign. You could not fund a marketing campaign. Like the let's cancel Joe Rogan <laughs> discussion uh, that's happening right now on CNN and MSNBC and on Twitter. It's fantastic. But those people don't listen. And I think the people who do are probably pretty happy with what he's doing now. You know, this is not complicated. This is conversation. It's not instruction or, uh you know, you, you, you shouldn't be. I'm sure you're not taking notes. You shouldn't be taking notes. It's not going to be a test. You can't get a degree in talk radiology. It's a conversation. And you either listen into it or you participate in it. And sometimes when you listen into it, you participate in it mentally. Like I know... The vast majority of people never call, but I know that you are thinking back at the things you hear or talking back, maybe even if you're alone, you might even say stuff out loud. That's that's what this is. And conversation's good. Are we prepared to say that con- there's too much conversation or people are, are harmed by conversation? Oh, but they're harmed if there's negative ideas or, or wrong information. No. Are you telling me that in all the conversations you have in your life, you never hear things that are incorrect? You don't have a relative that gets facts wrong or remembers family events wrong or has them in the wrong year or has them in the wrong order? You, you don't ever have a friend that gets the facts wrong about the game or the movie or the trivia about who was on Friends in 1998 or whatever. I mean, it's... It's it doesn't it's not going to kill you. It's a conversation, and we don't need fact checkers. We're carrying a fact checker around with us. Every one of us is. And I thought we learned from the pandemic that it was that that people suffered from a lack of contact and conversation. Isn't that one of the things we derived from this whole? Crazy experiment is, geez, it's really not good for people to not have human interaction. So that's what this is. And that's what podcasts are, and it's what talk radio is. And sometimes it's frivolous and light, and it's about fun things, or it's about cooking, or it's about your hobby. And sometimes it's about more serious things. And sometimes it's about stuff that you don't know. You may not know anybody you can have this conversation with. I, I hear from people all the time who say, I can't talk about this stuff with my wife or my husband. They don't, they're not interested in current events. That's why I like the show, because it's a place where I can hear ideas and, and express ideas. I don't have anybody in my life to have this conversation with. Well, I think it's good that we're having this conversation, don't you think? I do. Do the show for the people that are listening. Only. I think there are... Broadly speaking, there's, there's two kinds of jobs. I mean, there's a lot of jobs. There's, there's two kinds of jobs you can have. You can have a job where you do it, and it's all about perception. Politicians have that job, right? And then there's the kind of job you have, and maybe you have this kind of job, where you've either done it or you haven't. I mean, there's no gray area. You have a specific, you know, the old, the old joke. You had one job. You have like a specific responsibility and either you carry it out or you don't. Truckers are like that. There's no, uh, hype about trucking and truckers, right? There's no hype about he's the greatest trucker there ever has been. No, I mean, either it shows up on time or it doesn't. You, you're, you're moving things from point A to point B. There's a, there's a timeline. There's a delivery date. You got to make the date. You got to make the time. And that's it. So it's interesting to watch this truckers' protest spreading across Canada, what they call the Freedom Convoy. And they're protesting vaccine mandates. And today, the Prime Minister of Canada, who has COVID, so he had to do this uh, as a Zoom call, he had a virtual uh, news conference. And he said that the trucker protest is hateful rhetoric and violence toward Canadians. And he likes BLM protests better. He says, I've attended protests and rallies in the past, and when I agreed with the goals, when I supported the people expressing their concerns and their issues, like Black Lives Matter is an excellent example of that, he said. So, Black Lives Matter, excellent, Truckers, hateful, fascist. Now, that's, you know, Pierre Trudeau's kid, and uh, Canada, you know, you guys, you guys elected him, you know, what can I say? Um, but see, that's the difference between a job that's all about hype and perception and a job that's about reality. And I support these truckers, but it may take more than just forming the Freedom Convoy. They might have to just stop delivering things. They might just have to stop. If they're going to be treated and spoken about this way, if they're going to be accused of the very things they're protesting, if they're going to be called fascists, and I don't know how you... The Washington Post had a cartoon that called them Freedom Fascists. And I don't know how you can be a fascist when you're a working man or woman. Because the definition of fascist is somebody that collaborates with the government to control the means of production. So that's not a trucker or a person that works for a living. I mean, just by definition, it isn't. And usually what they call you is what they know they really are. So the people calling you fascist usually are fascists. But what do you think about, uh, how do you feel about this, this truck convoy, this freedom convoy? And they're, they're, they're getting one together here in this country. 210 599 5555. They're making a big deal of the fact that Justin Trudeau and his family were moved out of their residence as a precaution. I find it interesting that people that have no history of violence are insulted with that kind of a gesture but he's on television today saying I really love those BLM protests it's insulting I mean that's not I'm I'm hearing you I hear your concerns and when they report that Trudeau's family moved they report it with chagrin and sorrow oh isn't this awful Remember when they moved Trump into the bunker during the BLM protests in the summer of 2020? It was, oh, what a coward! (laughs) Look at him! Well, um, these are people that do a job we have to have. I'm not urging them to do this. I personally would not like if they did this. But if they ever stopped doing what they do, we would suffer for real, not virtually or symbolically or rhetorically. We would suffer. You would miss them. It wouldn't take long either. I mean, it would uh, within a day, you'd know. And there's a lot of people that do work like that. They do the things that have to be done. They do the things that only they know how to do or fix or make. And they're the people that get the most disrespect and back of the hand and looked down on by these elites. You know, they don't ever think they will have to face the possibility of people like this denying them their goods and services. They're they're sure that will never happen. If you don't start getting some respect, you're going to have to do that. Because you're way more valuable than politicians, bureaucrats, assistant associate deans, professors of diversity studies. Tell me what you think, 210-599-5555. How is protesting government overreach, how does that make you a fascist or a Nazi or a terrorist? I don't... I don't think that makes any sense. You know, people need to stop and these are, these are epithets, but it's like a child blurting out words they don't know the meaning of. They're ugly words, but you got to understand the people using them aren't using them right. That's not what they mean. And this, by the way, is I think why a lot of people are suddenly enamored of the comedian Bill Maher. Bill Maher has a uh, weekly HBO talk show. And Bill Maher has been in the news a lot lately for calling out the progressive left in America, of which he is a part. He's a card-carrying, lifelong, Democratic-voting American. But lately he's been suggesting that they've gone too far, they uh, come across as whacked out, He says the party of FDR and JFK is turning into the party of LOL and WTF. Members of Congress tweeting things like cancel rent, cancel mortgage, defund the police, declaring the capitalism as slavery, canceling Lincoln and Dr. Seuss, teaching their children, teaching children that they're oppressors and math is racist, making Mr. Potato Head gender, gender neutral. He's saying stop. And people are applauding. Finally, this guy's right. I like what he's saying. We need Bill Maher. He's, He's saying it like it is. And he's funny. I would just caution you about one thing. He's not saying that this ideology is wrong. He's saying, he's giving them advice. He's not arguing or debating them. He's giving them messaging advice. He's saying, don't show the crazy. Don't let them know. Don't let them see. Don't let them hear these crazy ideas because we'll never get them passed if you do. He wants the Green New Deal, but he knows you're not going to get it with this kind of language. He's not saying, don't be woke. He says, "Do it more in a more sophisticated, nuanced way." Because otherwise, normal people are starting to notice the crazy, and they're fighting back. And you, you're not going to get you're not going to get this stuff done if people wake up. You got to keep them, got to keep them asleep, keep them disinterested in politics, keep them tuned out. They're, you're making them tune in. You're forcing them pay attention, and they're not liking what they're hearing and seeing. This isn't about being a Republican or a Democrat, but Bill Maher, just just be careful. Bill Maher is not renouncing any of his old ideas. He voted for all these people. He's always voted for them. He's bragged about it. He says in his whole life, he's never voted for anything but a Democrat. So these are his people. He just doesn't want to see them blow it. And that's a very different posture from saying he's with us <laughs> he's our new leader he should join us it's not happening it's not gonna happen 210-599-5555 All right so we're talking about uh everything from fascism and authoritarianism and the people accusing us of it maybe the ones guilty of it themselves and uh, jim is calling in about the canadian truckers on 550 and 1071 ktsa jim good evening to you
0: yeah, how y'all doing? You know, these, these politicians and these news anchors that throw all these political terms around, there ain't one of them out of a hundred could define it. I mean, you did here a few minutes ago. But most of them, they have no idea what they're even talking about. And as far as being insulted by Trudeau, well, a bucket of spent like that don't bother me none. Never has.
1: Okay. I'm with you on that, Jim. Thank but. you, sir. Um, I do think a lot of the outrage that you hear from these elites is, is basically they pick it up from each other. I mean, I can't prove this, but I'm, I'm pretty sure I'm right about this. They don't go to the source. They don't hear the Joe Rogan podcast. They don't listen to talk radio. They, they haven't, they haven't delved into what the trucker protest is about and like, Hey, let me watch, let me go online and watch an interview with, with some of these truckers. No, they just have heard. These are the, these people are in the wrong. Everybody I know, everybody I, you know, all, all the people that went to my college or all the people at my workplace or all the people I drink with after work, we're all against them. So I'm against them. They're fascist. Yeah, tell them, you know, and that's just what it is. It's, it's sort of a, it's the Omicron variant of outrage. It's very contagious and they catch it from each other. They don't really know what the hell it is. And that's why you can't, that's why Rogan has to be careful because he'll screw up a good thing. If he tries to fix the podcast to placate his critics, his critics aren't listening. And the people that are listening might not like the fix. I don't know. You're not going to make those critics happy. People that hate this show are not future listeners of this show. I don't worry about them. And I really don't. I used to, when social media came along, we had all these consultants and experts, oh, make sure you engage. No, I'm not going to spend all night with some lunatic who doesn't come out of the basement of his house going back and forth about the validity of my show or something I said at you know, 4.27 in the afternoon. I'm not going to waste my time with him. Why wouldn't I devote my time and my energies to the people that listen to the show and get some value from it? And let's find more of them. And that's what I do. So I hope somebody around Joe Rogan can tell him, because I know he's new to this, just don't worry about the, the people that are trying to get you taken off Spotify. You you are valuable. You provide value to the people that listen. And Spotify, whatever else they say, and they talked a bunch of baloney today about fact-checking and content warnings and all this nonsense. You know, the, they paid $100 million. They know what they were doing. They know the value of this. They know the potential growth of this. 210 599 5555. The tendency or the temptation, I should say, is to think that we are dealing with like an ideological struggle or this is a, a battle of ideas. You, wh- I wish it was. I, I hate to tell you how much of this is just class and envy and insecurity and um you know the podcasts of today was the growth of talk radio in the 80s and 90s it was it was something that freaked out the establishment media i cannot tell you because i worked in in the business and i i cannot tell you how many different stories nbc nightly news and abc world news tonight and cnn they did all these navel gazing Stories about the dangers of extreme talk radio and that might be why the Oklahoma City building was blown up and they're gonna get, they're gonna get, our government's gonna be overthrown and we're gonna have a president assassinated and they're stirring up right wing hatred and they're, but it was all from people that didn't, they didn't listen to any of it. They were just afraid of it. And they were afraid of it because it impinged on their business model. They wanted to be where you went for opinions and analysis. and They wanted to be the only place that told the story of that day's events. They didn't want you to be able to go somewhere else. And I watched all that panic, and you know, we, we weathered it, and we survived it. They tried their damnedest to boycott and deplatform, and we need to bring back the fairness doctrine, which they didn't even know what it was. And then now, flash forward to today, there's this new thing. People are discovering it. People are liking it. It's got some pretty gaudy usage numbers. It's obviously worth a lot of money. Companies like Spotify and Podcast One, there's, there's all these companies, by the way, I won't bore you with the details, there's all these companies that used to own radio stations and now own podcasts. So they know what's coming, but It's panic about the business. It's not panic about the content. It really isn't. And once you understand that, you really understand what this is all about. ATSA news Newstime is 6.39. This half hour, the results on our Stevens Roofing JR poll. There was a big flap last week when Justice Stephen Breyer of the Supreme Court re- retired or announced he was going to retire, and President Biden had promised to name an African-American woman judge and reiterated that promise. And um, to me, that sounds like you're pre-qualifying or setting that job aside, not for the best overall person, which may or may not be an African-American woman, and I mean, at any given moment, that could be the best qualified person, but by saying that's the only pool from which you will select a person, that is approximately 7% of the um, population. Okay? And somebody figured out that Saying you are pulling from 7% of the population would be like announcing that you were going to choose a nominee whose first name begins with the letter D, which is also about 7% of the population. 7% of the population has a first name that begins with the letter D, our producer, Don. You're part of that 7%. Imagine if Joe Biden had said, I'm going to choose an excellent, outstanding Supreme Court associate justice whose name begins with the letter D. If he had artificially narrowed the pool to that, not only would you be missing out on some great people, but it would it would be ludicrous. People would, would be beside themselves. And when you artificially narrow it for any other criterion, it's just as illogical. And it fences out, obviously, good people who happen to be male or happen to be of another race or another ethnicity. And and even some, there's there's even other firsts that have not yet been achieved. There's never been an Asian-American judge or an Indian-American judge or justice, I should say. I don't, see how um, race, religion, gender are legitimate factors for the Supreme Court anyway. I just don't. So I'm not playing that game. But if that's the game you're playing, this still doesn't seem to make sense to me. You know what no one is talking about, though, is what should we be looking for? Like, Everyone has an opinion about this person that he hasn't yet named, but... What what should we be looking for? What should a person who is going to sit on the United States Supreme Court with a lifetime appointment uh, have or be? And when's the last time a president tried to put somebody on there for reasons that were objective, like beyond the ideological base he represented or came from? I mean, maybe we've gotten to a point where there's just no, there's no reason to even, you know, why have a fuss over it? Why, Why have a discussion or an argument about it? Because the minute you have the outcome of any election, you already now know, with increasing specificity, who the nominees for Supreme Court vacancies will be. If you don't know their exact names, thanks to Joe Biden and to the general trend in politics these days, you pretty much know what you're getting. The right does this, too. If a conservative Republican is president, he or she has to appoint a a person with the right view or the right position on abortion, or they'll be savaged. And abortion's important. I'm pro-life. It's important to me. It's not the only thing. You could be terrible on other stuff and be right on that. So maybe we're not even having the right discussion about all this. And maybe the discussion we need to have, except I'm sure we're not going to, is, well, what, what exactly are the criteria? Like, what if we were writing the, you know, the online job posting, what would the criteria be? How would we write the description? You, know, you, you probably had to do this. A lot of people have done it. You've had to post a job online. And you got to write up something that describes the ideals of that person. You won't get all of them, but ideally you should be this, 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 and this, or have done this and this, know how to do this. We don't have that discussion at all anymore. And you know something? There's a problem with that because right now the public pretty much trusts the Supreme Court. It has much higher approval ratings and a much higher trust index than does Congress or the executive branch. For now. But that's because it's resting on its laurels. That's because people remember it in the days before it was overtly political. And I don't know how much longer it's going to be seen as, oh, much more trustworthy and much more respected at the rate we're going. I kind of worry about that. You know, I won't be around for it. You won't be around for it, perhaps, but but our kids will be. And um, eventually, I I think it's going to closely resemble a third, uh, basically a third house of Congress. We've got the House of Representatives and the Senate, and the Supreme Court is becoming kind of like one more chamber of that, with overtly partisan members and predictable behaviors, and you you name the case and you can almost predict almost every time you're going to be correct in predicting how the vote will go or who will split on which side. It's probably not a good thing. Of course, if that was what it was intended to be, um, we would have just considered it part of the legislative branch of government. Obviously, it wasn't meant to be that. So different, right? Lifetime appointment, not elected. But aren't we pretty much just dirtying it up and making it like a third house of Congress? Is that what you want? More Congress, <laughs> Jack? If you put it that way, no, I don't. I don't think I want that at all. No, thank you. Count me out on that. On the uh, JR poll powered by Stevens Roofing, do you use Spotify? People are like, no, I, I use uh, Comet. <laughs> I used to Resolve. Is that what Spotify is? Is that for like when the dog has an accident on the rug? No, no. Do you use Spotify? 13% said yes. 87% said no. You should. You should try it out. Um, because, you know, you and I are different we will listen to something or watch something and then form an opinion about it i hope you do anyway you're not one of those people that like boycotts the movie you've never seen i'm going to protest the showing of that movie that i've never seen that i've heard is awful please don't be that kind of person i mean we can still be friends but you don't you know don't don't go there don't be like that 210-599-5555. I, um, I find myself sometimes checking when I'm putting the show together. I don't want everything we talk about to be something we're mad about. Even if there are a lot of things we're mad about, and I know there are. I, know, I, I mean, you know, let's face it. Part of that is the times we're living in. Part of that is our age, you know. But let's let's not be let's not be, let's not let that be our like our, our bond what we have what we have holding us together you know oh I just like being I like being bitter and disappointed at the world with Jack. Let's not do that you know what I've noticed lately I did some shopping over the weekend I took my daughter shopping I went shopping I, Have you noticed how many places now it used to be when you bought things in a store they just put them in bags. Whatever you bought, they bagged it up. And then I don't know how many years ago it was that the the supermarkets started that thing where you could bring bags, those cloth bags or whatever they're made out of, you know, the reusable bags. And that was supposed to be better for the environment, and plastic bags are choking the penguins and so forth and so on. And so then there was that thing for a while where people would smugly pull out their you know reusable but ba- i never and i never did that i never had those i never did that i'm sorry sorry penguins but um but if you didn't bring the bags they would still gladly whip out the little plastic poly bags and bag up your stuff and by the way i i always felt fine about that because i reuse all those i i don't throw them away without getting another use or more, sometimes more than one use out of them okay and then it started to be this thing where they would ask you if you wanted bags. And I don't really understand that thinking because, I like I know at Costco, they'll give you a box if you want. They don't do bags. But how would you get multiple items that you picked up at the store to your car? Are you supposed to gather them in your apron? Or balance them on your head? Or... Take them out one or two at a time. Okay, I'm going to make several trips to the car, if you just don't mind holding my... I don't understand the purpose of the question, do you want a bag? I understand giving people the choice between paper and plastic, or did you bring your own? Um, it seems like they're trying to find less and less stuff to do for us. Like, you know, we're going to make these people ring up their own purchases. Have you noticed how often that's happening now? And I don't mind doing it for a few things it's quicker to be honest usually not a line at the self-serve checkout and i don't mind doing it but it does it kind of reminds you they're they're trying to get by with less they're trying to do less for you and um the bag thing feels that way too you know do you do you, do you want a bag it's like they're it's like the bag is now a favor they're doing you I'm old enough to remember when the bag just came. Like, if you bought anything, you got a bag. If you bought one thing, you got a bag. And I worked in a store when I was a teenager. And we had all different bags and all different sizes, and you put the right, you know, the small things in the little bag and stuff like that. I mean, it was, you know, it, it was an unimaginable question. Do you want a bag? They now also ask you at a lot of stores if you want change. And what I mean by that is, especially if you're um paying by debit or credit card, they ask you if you want to round up your purchase. So they're not giving you a bag. They're not giving you change. Some of them are making you ring the stuff up. Are we far? Is it, are we very far away from probably having to stock the shelves ourselves? Like when you go in now, they'll be like, "Hey, whoa, whoa, whoa! Before you start shopping, could you go in the back and get the uh, the pallets of soup?" Oh, yes, let me do that first. Then I'll pick up the things I'm here for. And what else could they have us do? You know, maybe maybe a little mopping and sweeping. You know, stuff like that. Um, I think we should all be gathering the shopping carts in the parking lot too before you leave you know go get some go get some go get some uh, errant shopping carts all right have a good night i'll see you on the radio for sean tomorrow morning at nine I'm back here tomorrow afternoon at four